everybody and welcome to the My Thoughts On podcast. My name is Keely J and I'm currently in my PJs and it's 9.30 and I'm relaxed for the night so I thought I would just record my podcast episode. This is a really exciting one because it's a little bit more of a personal episode. Today I'm going to share my thoughts on kind of my, I don't want to use the word struggles because I feel like that puts a negative connotation on it, um, but just my journey with mental health, especially um, ADHD, um, and so I kind of want to give the Google and, like, the WebMD definition of what that is so I can explain it, and then I can get more into my journey being diagnosed with ADHD and all the things that have come with it and kind of the misconceptions that also come with it. So there's two kinds of ADHD. There's the predominantly inattentive presentation, which is usually referred to as ADD, and then the predominantly hyperactive impulsive presentation, and then there's the combined type, which is ADHD. So the predominantly inattentive presentation is when it's hard for the individual to organize or finish a task, to pay attention to details, or to follow instructions or conversations. The person is easily distracted or forgets details of daily routines. The predominantly hyperactive impulsive presentation is when the person fidgets, talks a lot, it's hard to sit still for a long time, For example, like during dinner, homework, like getting up every now and then. Um, The constant need to be moving, like exercising, feeling restless, and dealing with impulsivity. Um, Sometimes they may interrupt people in conversation, grab things from people, grow impatient, speak out of turn. Um, It's hard for them to wait their turn. And they have a lot of more impulsiveness, so they're more prone to accidents and injuries. Um, And then there's the combined presentation. Um, or the combined type, which is ADHD, and those symptoms are all of the above symptoms. And ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So I kind of want to get into what exactly my journey with being diagnosed with ADHD was, the kind of the timeline, where I kind of started feeling the effects of it. But I also wanted to start with talking about my metaphor of the ADHD iceberg. So when you think of an iceberg, you usually think there's just the tip and it kind of just looks like a little mountain of ice. Um, But what you don't think about is that underneath an iceberg, there's an even bigger, longer tip of ice that is underneath the water and beneath the surface. So I think a lot of times when people think of ADHD, and maybe this is just based off of the media, based off of how other people talk about it, um, a lot of people just think it's being hyperactive, fidgeting, impulsivity, and inattention. And one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone says something like, oh, that was just my ADHD acting up because they can't sit still or because they're talking a lot today. It's their ADHD. When they don't have a clinical or medical diagnosis of ADHD. They're just using it as almost a loose term when there are people who are struggling with it who have been clinically diagnosed with it. So I would just say if you're one of those people, just please consider that next time you use ADHD as just a loose term to describe talking a lot or moving around a lot or being hyper for the day. Most likely you just drank too many coffees or something, but um, yeah, just be mindful when you say things like that. Um, Another thing is, is that people don't see a lot of things beneath the surface. So I'm just going to briefly share a couple things that I feel like has manifested for me in my ADHD and then I'll talk about it more but I'm going to talk about what's a little bit below the iceberg surface. So for me at the same time I feel comfortable and at peace with saying this 
But at the same time as when I was diagnosed with ADHD, I was also diagnosed with depression, generalizing anxiety disorder, and a social phobia, which is just the clinical term for social anxiety. Um, I tend to forget a lot of things, whether that be assignments, forgetting I'm supposed to be somewhere, forgetting where I put my keys. I tend to lose things all the time. I tend to forget to do like basic things sometimes. It'll be two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, shoot, I didn't eat breakfast yet. Or forgetting to eat. There's been times when I'm like, it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm like, oh shoot, I have to shower. Um, forgetting to drink water, things like that. So just doing the basic necessities. I, I deal a lot with time blindness. I try so hard to be on time all the time, but I tend to be late. It's very, very hard for me to get to where I need to be on time. Um, obviously, uh, things like poor memory. I cannot memory memorize things very well. Short-term memory is pretty bad. My conversations with people, I'll me- maybe memorize 30% of it. I could probably tell you what 30% of our conversation was about, but for the most part, it's a lot of like zoning out. I tend to zone out a lot. Daydreaming, I do that a lot. Um... And then I kind of want to save the more intense things that I deal with with ADHD for a little bit later in the podcast. Um, But that's just kind of a little bit beneath the surface and talking about what it's like beneath the ADHD iceberg surface when people just see being hyper, fidgeting, not paying attention, or being impulsive. So now I kind of want to get into what it was like growing up not knowing I had ADHD because I was diagnosed properly only about almost two years ago, I'm almost 21, and I was diagnosed at 19. Um, so growing up, I was always a very outgoing and friendly kid. I was always the kid who would just feel comfortable going up to anybody, going up to adults. I loved hanging around adults. I loved talking to adults like I was an adult. Meanwhile, I was five years old. I was the sassiest little five-year-old. I was so confident. Like I said, I love talking to people. I was that kid at nap time who had to be put in a different room because I was jumping from nap mat to nap mat having conversations with everybody. Um, I was just a really overly friendly kid. And I definitely think I'm still friendly, but I'm just not as comfortable with people now. And I think that has manifested a lot in my social anxiety. Um, But yeah, I was very hyper. I was very outgoing, friendly. Um, academic wise growing up, I did tend to struggle a little bit. I remember in second grade, I actually had to have an intervention with my parents and the teachers because I was that kid who had to stay during like recess time and lunchtime and finish my classwork with the teachers at their lunch table because everybody else had finished it during class. And I must have like been distracted doing everything but the assignment. And so it kind of sucked not getting to do recess with my friends because I had to go and finish my assignments with the teachers. Um, I didn't really like reading aloud as a kid. Uh, Reading was really hard for me. Um, Another thing that I feel like people don't know about ADHD is that you can either, sometimes people with ADHD have dyslexia or they have visual processing disorders. Um, For me, it was almost a mixture of the two. It was, I would read things and I would understand 0% of what I was reading. And I still to this day usually understand 0% of what I was reading. But it was also, I would either struggle to read words or words would become jumbled. And it was almost like if there was a comma there, I wasn't reading the comma. I was just reading a jumble of words. And so to this day, I don't really like public reading. Um, 
I know sometimes like in class, even in high school and in college, they'll do this. We do popcorn reading and I just to this day am still like, no, thank you. Like I'll pass. Um, I don't really like reading aloud. I have, it's like kind of an anxious fear of mine. Um, I remember I had to stand up and read something out loud in front of like my chapter for my sorority because I held a bigger position. And while I was up there reading it, I was like shaking and I have no idea what even came out my mouth. And I probably don't even think people could understand what I was saying because I, like I said, I have trouble reading like the commas, the periods, everything's just a blob to me. That was always difficult. Um, I was never good at math, no matter how hard I tried. I truly did study a lot. My dad has a math degree and like he would try and help me. I just could not figure it out for the life of me. Um, I had a lot of testing anxiety just because I would study so hard for these tests. I would spend hours studying for tests, but when the time the test day came, I would get so distracted while taking it that I never even had time to finish the test. And so this manifested a lot in my standardized testing and then also math tests where I would only have time to finish about 75% of it. And so by that point, I'm really literally starting off with a C. And it's like there wasn't really much hope for me to go up from there. My ACT score was pretty average. I don't think it ever got over like a 23. Um, I never had time to finish that. I know nobody usually has time to finish that, but like... I would truly get so distracted. I would be counting the ticks on the clock. I would be counting people's like leg shakes per minute. I could count how many times people were twirling their hair. Like I would just get so distracted. And school just became like almost a fear of mine because I was struggling so hard in my classes to pay attention, to enjoy what I was learning. I didn't even know what the heck I was learning because I couldn't pay attention. And for me, it was just school was so difficult. And I talked about in my last episode why I'm graduating in three. And that is a major part of it is because even in college to this day, like I just it's so hard for me to learn because there's so many distractions and there's just so many things that I have trouble processing and understanding that school is just not for me. Now, I kind of want to talk about how ADHD manifests in my relationships with people. Um, Like I said, I was a very confident, outgoing, friendly kid. It probably wasn't until junior year of high school when I started to find myself having almost a fear of people. Um, I found myself zoning out of conversations. I found myself sometimes saying things that I didn't mean to say that were inner thoughts. And I was like, shoot, I shouldn't have said that. Um, Eye contact with people was very difficult. It made me super uncomfortable. Um, mainly it was the fear of missing out on conversations because like I said, I just have trouble processing what people say to me and I just think people think I'm stupid. Um, and it kind of manifested in just like low self-esteem for me, which is another thing that I struggle with because I genuinely was trying so hard to keep these relationships with people and it just felt like people couldn't handle me or couldn't deal with me. And so they just moved on from me. And so I struggled a lot with that in high school and I think that's where my like my social anxiety developed is that I just had such a fear of meeting new people and group projects like I hated group projects especially if I had to be in a group project with someone I didn't really know very well it was just so stressful for me getting up in front of people the thought of like people looking at me I remember one time in fourth grade I gave a presentation facing the literal like board I had my back face to everybody 
now I'm more confident in presenting in front of people because I've been like a campus ambassador. So like I'm literally forced to talk to people. Um, but like that was a really big struggle for me. I would have like panic attacks. I would like cry a lot. I found myself having to try to explain myself to people, sending long messages. Like I'm so, so sorry that I did this or that today. My social anxiety was bad, but in reality, you don't have to explain yourself for that. People probably don't care about you that much. Like, I would literally think if I looked at somebody wrong that I needed to apologize to them for looking at them wrong or anything like that. Like, it was just really bad for me in high school. It got even worse in college. I was crying all the time in college. Like, I college is not the place to be crying all the time, but I was. And I thought people thought I was just sensitive and emotional. And I am sensitive. And I do feel things deeply. And I do think ta- I do take things personally sometimes. But I just hated the way that people only thought of me this fragile little sensitive thing. When it's just sometimes I'm just overwhelmed. That's another thing with anxiety, or not anxiety, with ADHD is that you can get overstimulated. Or understimulated, but I tend to get overstimulated a lot. If there's a lot of noise going on around me, if there's a lot of people fighting in front of me, I get overwhelmed and my body just shuts down. And that's usually where I have my panic attacks. Um, I've struggled a lot with panic attacks. I've only had like two this year, which is really good. Um, but previously in college, like I was just having panic attacks constantly. It was it was like a dance team practice. People would be talking over each other. People would be like. There's so much noise going on. I was too many things to focus on. I got overwhelmed and I just would shut down and have a panic attack. And I think it's embarrassing for me and I've kind of gotten over the embarrassment of it um, because I've accepted that that's how it's going to be. But it was just very difficult for me to be in environments with people um, so much that I think that's where my social anxiety developed, like I was saying, is that I genuinely hated being around people because I had a fear of how my ADHD would manifest with my relationships with people. The main piece of advice I can give when it comes to that is just kind of letting people into your life who you feel comfortable with. That's the really amazing thing about relationships with people is you don't have to explain yourself to people. You don't have to let certain people get really close to you. And I'm very selective now about the people I let in my life and the people I keep my distance from. Um, just because of I don't want to be friends with people who aren't going to accept me for who I am who aren't going to judge me if they're having a conversation with me and maybe I didn't pick up on the whole conversation I didn't understand everything that was being said friends who don't think I'm stupid friends who can laugh with me and can be there for me when I'm having tough times I think that's super important another thing I want to talk about is low self-esteem and how ADHD has made me feel insecure. Besides not doing amazing in school and feeling not as successful as my peers, um, ADHD is also manifested in my low self-esteem when it comes to dancing. Dancing is my like one passion in life. I don't really have too many other things that I consider myself decent at. Um, But ADHD makes it really difficult for me to learn dances and like I said people with ADHD have poor memory um so if I'm in a dance class trying to learn I'm still on count one while everybody else is on count eight I'm still trying to figure out what is my right from my left that's another thing people don't know about ADHD is it's very difficult for us to figure out our right from our left 
I'm still trying to figure out those things before I can move to eight. And it's hard to catch up with everybody. And it's made me lose confidence in my dance ability because I think people assume that I'm just a bad dancer. When in reality, I'm just trying to play catch up and I'm just really struggling too. Um, I've had low self-esteem when it comes to my relationships with people. I have self-sabotaged so many relationships thinking that people hate me when in reality they don't and um I've literally villainized so many people and made myself out to be the victim so many times when that wasn't the case and I'm a lot better at that now but I think in high school I wasn't as good at doing that um so that's definitely made me have some low self-esteem when it comes to my relationships um the biggest one is my rejective sensitive dysphoria Um, So I have a big fear of rejection um, and mainly it manifests in being rejected for reasons that are out of my control. Um, Like I can't control if I get rejected because I couldn't memorize something. I can't control if I get rejected because I couldn't focus on something because I was distracted or because this or that happened. I forgot to do something. Um, And so I definitely deal a lot with rejection and struggling with that. Uh, And like I said, with things I can't control. Um, It hasn't been as bad now because I'm a little bit more at peace. But there was a point right before I got diagnosed where I was just feeling really depressed because functioning in society felt so isolating for me. It was like I was trapped with all these thoughts in my head, all these distractions, and everybody around me was just living their life. And life was moving so fast, but I was still caught in this like dark place. And... It was, it was really difficult for me, and I grew really depressed, which is something that I stems from ADHD and people who really struggle to find their place in society um, while society moves on and you're still like a neurodivergent person who's struggling. Something I also want to talk about is perfectionism, yet having your life be a mess. So anyone who knows me personally knows that my bedroom is a mess. It is, there's clothes all over the place, there's empty water bottles, there's empty like water cups, there's, my plants are dead, my plants will never be alive, I forget to water them, there's empty like contact solution containers, there's just like everything is in a disorganized mess, um, it, but, it, but it works for me, yet I'm a perfectionism perfectionism that's not a word I'm a perfectionist when it comes to certain things like if my handwriting's like messy or crooked I, I have bad handwriting regardless but like especially in like grammar school and high school if my handwriting was crooked I would have to erase it all and start all over or if I find it happens a lot when I'm doing my hair like if I'm trying to put my hair in a ponytail and it doesn't look right If I have the time and place to do it, I will redo it a bunch of times. This weekend at the competition, my bun didn't look right, and I redid it like five times. Things like that. I tend to go and um, check if I flush the toilet like three or four times. I've actually driven back to my house like twice um, to check it. Not like twice, but I do that often. But it usually happens where I'll drive, flush it, drive back, realize, oh, did I flush it even though I just did flush it? Um, things like that. It's so weird and can be confusing, but I just want to explain that that's what happens with me. Um, my car's a mess. My car is an absolute mess. I don't know how to keep track of things. I buy planners and write in it for like a month, maybe a week actually. I don't even write in it. 
Um, everything that I have to do is in my head. And usually if I have 10 things to do, about seven of them are going to get done. Um, I'm so bad at writing down things. I, like I said, I'm bad at being on time. I'll set alarms. I'll set reminders. I think I'm on track, but then I get distracted and sidetracked. And it'll be like five minutes before I need to be where I have to go. And I lost my keys. So then by the time I get there, it's 10 minutes past. And there's truly no malintentions behind it. But I just can't help it. And for me, it's like I feel also anxious because of it. Because I'm like, now because I'm late, that person hates me. When it's like I really tried everything in my power not to be. Um, so just those are just a couple like small things that also I deal with. I also kind of want to get into the feelings I had when I got my diagnosis. So I was diagnosed later in life and that tends to be the case for a lot of women. Um, especially that's what my psychologist told me was that it's more detected in young males just because boys are roughhoused and you know like that's like blaring symptoms. Um, but women are a little bit different and so it's more typical for girls to be diagnosed later on in life um and so right after I was diagnosed I had a like a cycle of emotions at first I felt really relieved because I could almost justify the way I was acting even though like some of my actions were not justifiable because they're wrong regardless um but it's almost like I could like figure out a reason why I was acting like that then I felt confused I was like what is going on so I have this diagnosis now what do I do with it how do I handle myself how can I get better um there's been times when I felt sad I was like I'm different than everybody else that feeling of putting a label on something of being neurodivergent and having a disability uh was difficult um I felt angry angry that I didn't detect it earlier and got help earlier um grateful that I did detect it when I did and I could get accommodations and could get help. So there's just a lot of feelings that can come with any diagnosis. Um, But those were just some of the feelings I had. Um, Mainly like gratefulness and relief and just kind of just like a mix of emotions. But I just at the end of the day felt really grateful that I had kind of figured it out. The last thing I kind of want to get into when it comes to ADHD and my other um, mental journeys and mental, I don't even want to like put struggles or that kind of label on it because it truly has shaped me as the person I am today. And if I say it's a struggle, then it means that I'm not grateful for the person I am today. So I'm just going to say journey. Um, I want to talk a lot about masking. Masking happens a lot when I am going through something and I'd rather just brush it off, pretend like it's not happening. I tend to do that with um, like my depression and my anxiety from ADHD. Um, and I'll, it usually manifests through joking where I'll be like, I'm fine. Or I'll make like a joke or my sense of humor is almost kind of dark. I'll laugh it off. Um, but in reality, I'm really struggling. But I don't want people to know that because I don't want people to view me differently. A lot of people don't even know that I struggle with mental health things unless you've seen me have a panic attack or cry. Um, Or maybe if you're my like really close friends and I trust you. But for the most part, I tend to mask just because I don't want to be viewed as a burden. Um, And that's what a lot of people who struggle with mental health, they don't want to feel like a burden. But at the end of the day, 
you don't have to open up to people, but you can choose who you want to open up to. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And if I've learned anything about my anxiety, if there's a pro in there, I have a great sense of intuition. I know who to open up to and I know who to not tell a damn word to. And I know who's lying to me and I know who to trust. Even though I have really bad trust issues, my intuition is strong and you can lie to me all you want. But even if you're lying at me through text, like I will know. I will know and I and I keep receipts and I've got evidence. So don't try me. <laughs> Sorry, I got off on a little tangent there. But um, what's I saying? Oh, masking. I tend to mask a lot. I call it fighting in silence. And I'm here to tell you that you can fight in silence, but you don't have to fight in silence alone. There's always going to be someone who can relate to you and there's always going to be someone who loves you, who is there for you. So you don't have to worry about feeling ashamed or feeling like a burden and you can reach out to people. I just want to let you know that you should be proud of yourself and you should be proud of who you are. I know it's taken me a long time to kind of accept myself and how I am and I'm still working on it. Um, I definitely think I'm not as outgoing as I used to be. I'm not as talkative. I'm very wary around the people that I interact with. Um, but I am a little bit more comfortable in my own skin and in my own thoughts. And I think that's just a step in the right direction. Um, no matter where you are in your journey, your mental health journey, know that you don't have to apologize for how you are. Sometimes you can't change how you are because there is a physical chemical imbalance in your brain. And for me, that's what ADHD is and that's what anxiety and depression is. And though I can't change those things, I can work through those things. I can work with other people, be vulnerable with other people, choose not to be vulnerable with other people. But I don't feel so alone when I open up to people or also when I accept myself for how I am. So that's just a little insight about everything in my journey. Um, I would love to talk more about it. Um, maybe I'll do a future episode about it even more, talk about other mental health things. Um, nevertheless, mental health is really important to me. And um, just always try to be more understanding and empathetic towards people because you never, you never know what that person may be facing or what struggles they may be having in their life. And so just, you know, love on people, be there for people. And yeah, so I can't wait to share my next thoughts with you guys on my next episode of the My Thoughts on Podcast. And make sure to follow all my social medias. Um, it is my thoughts on podcast for Instagram and TikTok and my personal Instagram is Keely L. Johnson and I'll talk to you guys later.